We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. It's Perry and Shauna Mornings. It's so good to be with you this morning, and I'm super excited to have David Dorner back in studio with us again. He is a teaching pastor at Frontline Church, and he has become a friend of ours here at Perry and Shauna Mornings, and we're so glad to have you with us today. Thanks. Me too. Love you guys. Always good to be back. Same, same. So let's talk about the genealogy. We're talking today about kind of those first few verses in Matthew and the names that are listed and the significance of them, because there are different names listed that give us different messages about who Jesus is and why he came and what he's all about. So what's another name we talked about Tamar and how that um, shares with us, you know, in understanding that Jesus came for everyone when he includes, you know, Tamar in the genealogy. But what are some other ones that point to different things about Jesus? Love it. So very beginning, this is the genealogy. So this is Matthew chapter one, verse one. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. We'll start with David. I'm partial to David. I love the name myself. Yeah. Uh, The son of David. So this is what was significant. What Matthew is describing to his readers, to his listeners, to his audience, both then and today, as he's saying this, Jesus is the son of David, who was Israel's, I mean, you could argue maybe Israel's most beloved king or famous famous king. I mean, it. you know, David, God described David as a man after his own heart. Yeah. So Israel holds David very close to their own hearts in their history. But God promised David that through you, through your line, I will establish one who will sit on the throne who will, who will reign forever and ever and ever. So when Matthew writes this, he says, hey, Jesus is the Messiah, the son of David. He just provided the the access or the right to the throne mm. from the lineage of David. So he's saying Jesus isn't just like this great teacher that should be king. What he's saying is Jesus is the Messiah, the one that was foretold, right. who has a rightful uh, I don't know what's the word. A Lineage. Rightful, I mean, it's it, his. It's his heritage, right? Like he, he has, has a the right. bloodline. He yeah, has he has the bloodline. That's what it is. Royal bloodline. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he has access to the throne because of who he comes from. Mm. And so it's just so significant. Matthew saying the son of David, right? So not literally his son, but like out of his line, right. the son of David. That makes Jesus king. Boom. Boom. Mic drop. Mic drop. I wish we could drop these. They're attached. No, don't don't drop these mics, David. You won't be invited back. No, but I, I know. Please. I know. All right. So we won't do that. We'll do a, a crowdfunding fundraiser here. Uh, here's what I love about this, though, too. I, I think so often we in our culture or we in our society don't have a concept for a king. Mm-hmm. So I, I did research on this. I was like, how many kings or how many monarchies actually exist today? Today. today. So there's 29 positions all over the world today of king or queen or sultan, chancellor, whatever, of like the position. There are only four in our world that I could find that are absolute like kings. They have absolute reign, absolute. And one of them is in Oman. So I actually got to travel to Oman. It's in the Middle East. It's next to Yemen. It's across the Arabian Sea from Iran. I mean, it's like, you're there. You're in the Middle East. Right. And Oman is one of the four that's ruled by a sultan. And here's what would maybe not surprise anybody listening to this. Nobody has a sign in their front yard that says, not my king. Right. 
That would not fly. That wouldn't that wouldn't go well. Yeah. The, you know what I mean? Like it just you you'd meet Jesus if you <laughs> if you had a relationship with him. It's like it, no right. but we have such a different, you know, we we vote for our president or for our governor or for our congressman or whatever. It's like all, all everything else we vote or we have a say. There's a process. It's a, what Matthew is saying is Jesus is not that. Mm-hmm. He's not one we vote for. He's not one we, you know, evaluate performance. Jesus is a king. Right. And he has a kingdom and he has invited us to be a part of his kingdom. Yeah. And as as those who are a part of his kingdom, you know, when we come to the fork in the road and there's like what feels right and good to me, what, what might even feel, you know, there's scripture actually says it, right? There is a way. That feels right to a man, right? But when we come to that place where everything that feels right to me, you know, is going to take me down a different road than what God says, what scripture says I'm to do and how I'm to live. I think forgiveness is one of those that really makes that very evident to us when we have been hurt deeply and it feels like forgiveness is like, "Mm, no, you just don't know what's been done. If you knew what had been done, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even ask me to forgive. And then we read in scripture that Jesus says 70 times seven, right? Mm-hmm. I want you to forgive again and again and again. It's like, man, that does not feel right to me. Jesus is king. Mm-hmm. He's king. It's not like this will be better for you. If you choose my way, it will be better, you know, or you can choose your own way. It's like he's king. And if you've given your life to him, he's the Lord of your life. And each one of those decisions means I do what God says. Yeah, submission, total submission. Total surrender. His kingdom isn't negotiable. And so Matthew, I just love the clarity. We were just talking off air, you know, just the clarity of Matthew and how how distinct he is here, just as he describes all the different characters and people and decise or uh, precise and details, whatever. Mm-hmm. What Matthew is saying in the very beginning, verse one, Jesus is king. We are talking about the genealogy found in the beginning of Matthew. No, 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 no. Don't turn that dial. This is super exciting. It really is because it reveals to us so much about Jesus and his kingdom. Yeah, in the genealogy. I'm not even kidding. It's way better than it sounds. (laughs) I just have to say, after talking about it now for two and a half hours, it's way better. There's so much packed in there that I think we just miss because we don't understand it. Yeah, there's significance to it, to the names that were, you know, the names that are listed there and what they tell us about Jesus and what's important to him. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the the first things that jumps out at me, even in this genealogy, so we're in with the book of Matthew. So Matthew chapter one, and it starts off and it says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So it's, it's basically saying, here is the story of God as he's moved towards redeeming his people. And it culminates with the person of Jesus. Uh, the thing that jumps out at me for just this passage and the number of the different names and women that are included, which we've already talked about, was just like, a, like it was like a highlighter, like that never would have happened at the time of this right. writing. What is so cool about these is the the nations or the people groups that are actually included in Jesus' genealogy. That it wasn't just Jewish people. Which is what you would have assumed. 
right? Because so many Jewish people assumed the Messiah is coming just for us. Right. So at the time, they were oppressed by the Roman government. So they're like, oh, of course, the Messiah is going to come and save us from the Romans. But just as you look at Jesus' uh, genealogy, I mean, there, there's people from all over the place. I mean, Canaanites are included in there, Moabites, Hittites, which all of us were like, "What? who are these people? What does that even matter? Uh, all three of those were non-Jewish. One of those was an enemy of the Jewish people. So here, here's the message, right? Just to summarize, or for yeah. those that are like, I'm not fault. What's a Hittite? I'm caught up at here, Here's the message. Jesus came for all people. Yeah. For all nations, for all tribes, for all tongues, for for all for all people, and it's even in his lineage that he included that he demonstrates that. You recently had a worship experience um, where you kind of saw this come to life modern day. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we we have we're part of something called the Zero Collective. So Frontline is one of the churches that are a part of it, but there's a number of different churches. So what we did, I think it was mid November. Uh, or mid-October, man, it was a while ago already, we gathered all four churches together just to do a night of worship. And as the team planned this, I mean, back in like August, they said, you know, it'd be really cool for us to include at least one song in another language. Mm -hmm. And so we have a decent amount of people uh, who speak Spanish who have been attending some of our churches. And so they came up to, I mean, they weren't directed to, they weren't asked to, they just said, let's do a song in Spanish. And what they didn't know or what they couldn't anticipate is sitting in the front row would be a woman from our church who's from Peru, Mm -hmm. whose native language is Spanish. And so English is broken, but I mean, it's just, it's powerful. It's really special. Um, so she was there like in the front row and, you know, they're singing the songs and they're in English and she's worshiping and like, it's, it's just this cool celebratory moment. And then they move into this song and it starts in Spanish and it was sung perfectly, perfectly in Spanish. And in the front row, she just dropped to her knees and wept. And it just hits you just it, as someone who like, it's so easy to, to think like Jesus came for us and people like us because we're surrounded by people like us. If you don't have a second language, like for for her to, you know, be going through life, you know, creating words and trying to communicate as best she can in a language that is just not the natural, not her mother tongue, right? To suddenly have the freedom to just be able to worship in your own language. I think that speaks, you know, it just speaks, it reminds us of what you're saying, that Jesus is for all people. We need to be reminded of that. That Jesus came for all people. For a long time, I would get to genealogies and I would be like, "Eh, yada, 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 and then jump down to where the story begins and actually not even read through the genealogy. I'm like, "If, if I don't know who these people are, I don't know what the significance is of me reading through this. Well, that's why we're having this conversation this morning, because when you do know who these people are, it reveals things about Jesus to us. So David, tell us, you've shared with us that, you know, there are names listed in the genealogy that reveal that Jesus is for all people and that Jesus is king. But what else can we learn through this genealogy? 
Mm-hmm. Man, there's a lot of different names. I mean, I, I'm likely you, Shauna. Just as I read it, even before, it's like eh, I don't, I don't like genealogy. It's just names and a bunch of guys that say son of, son of, son of, whatever. Right. So for me, but in full disclosure, I don't even read my own. My aunt made one year like our our family tree. You know, yeah. they do these things. Oh, that's so uh, cool. I, yeah, I mean, it's super cool. Not when you're a high schooler. <laughs> so she spent like. <laughs> months and months and hours and put this all together I and and gave us all one. I never even read it. I'm like, Aww. whatever. Who cares? Yeah, right. Not. But now, as I'm reading through Matthew, um, and even just Matthew chapter one, there is so much that's buried within there. Mm-hmm. Um, but So we talked about this already. So Jesus came as king. So Matthew describes that right off the bat. Jesus is king. Uh, Jesus came for all people. But then the other thing that is displayed just through the first 17 verses of Matthew's gospel is is um, Jesus is here to redeem all things. And so that's evident just as we look through a number of these stories. Um, five of them specifically would have jumped off of off the page. So whose mother was Tamar, uh, that's one of them in verse 3. Whose mother was Rahab, that's another one in verse 5. Um, another one in verse 5, mother of Ruth. I mean, it, it, Matthew outlines five different women in this. As we've already talked, you know, including women in the genealogy at this time was unheard of. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is Matthew didn't just include women, like just with exceptional, great, amazing stories. He included some of the most broken stories in Israel's history that involved men and women. What I'm hearing you say is the people who knew then the stories behind these names, this would have revealed things to them. Like if I were living in that day and in that time and I was like, oh, Ruth, yeah, I remember that. You know, I know what went down there. Um, it's just a little bit scandalous mm-hmm. that that they're listed there. Well, some of these are super scandalous. Okay. I mean, like included in here, they don't even say Bathsheba's name. They say, you know, and David um, or from Solomon, where does it say here? I'm going to scroll down. Solomon, uh, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Ah. That gives us such insight of like, Matthew needs to highlight this, but even Matthew doesn't want to say Bathsheba's name here because it's this shame thing. I mean, the culture just feels shame. So I, I was preaching on this yesterday and I was up there and kind of spur the moment. I was like, these are things that like we would want to sweep under the rug. And I was standing on top of a rug. And I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. So I, I grabbed like a, a clunkier object and I put it underneath the rug. And I said, this is what Israel would have been like. This is what we're like. Mm-hmm. Don't acknowledge the bump. Yeah. Don't acknowledge it. Don't look at it. Everybody's tripping over it, right? You keep walking. You're like, what? what is this thing? Don't dig there. Don't look there. Some of these stories, and then I did this. I went and grabbed a stool. So like a, you know, a big metal stool yeah. and I put a Shoved stool. I sure did. Nice. Yeah. And so it's so big, so clunky, so huge. This is what's so important. These stories, any of us, if we're writing the story or if we're telling the story, we don't include them because mm-hmm. we, we don't want to talk about them. So tell me, like, if somebody doesn't know who Bathsheba is, why would she be a stool under the rug, something that, you know, great care was taken to not mention her name? Mm-hmm. So David, God made a promise to King David, and he said, out of your line will come one who will sit on the throne and reign forever. So David, this man after God's own heart, as God described him, yeah. man after God's own heart, David, instead of going off to war with his men, David stays home. 
and he goes to his roof and he's looking for something. A lot of baths or places where women would bathe would be on the roof. So David goes to the roof, sees one of his men's wife, takes her as his own, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, and then kills her husband. Which is basically pornography for that day. Yep. Pornography, adultery, murder, covering it all up. I mean, so this David is so beloved by his country. Oh, and esteemed and respected and honored. And then he does that. Why would that be included in the genealogy of Jesus? For this reason, Jesus even says, I can redeem that. I can redeem that. Mm -hmm. And the the deepest shame, the deepest brokenness, the deepest sin, it, Jesus doesn't ignore it. You know, we're talking about Christmas trees and stuff right now. These are things that like we would go, oh, we don't want anybody else to see or notice. Jesus goes, I'm going to, that's going to be an ornament on my tree. Because even what, what Satan intended for evil, I can turn it, I can redeem it, I can use it for good. And what does that mean for us today? It means we fit. I think we have way more in common with the people in Jesus' lineage than Jesus himself. So even the most broken, painful, shameful things that we carry that just feel like crushing. Jesus, the message we should hear from him is this, I can redeem that. I can redeem you. Even in your filth, I can redeem you. Yeah, there's a message of hope in there too. For me, (laughs) that Jesus can redeem all things. I don't know if there's, you know, something in your life right now that you're looking at and you're going, I don't know about that. Jesus can redeem that. Jesus can redeem you. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.